and welcome to the Bucket Lister podcast. Join your host, Keith Crockford, along with special guests who have traveled the world, here to share stories of their adventures and plenty of inspo to add to your bucket list. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Bucket Lister podcast. I am your host, Keith Crockford. And what I'd like to ask you all first is to do me a very quick favor. Now, whichever uh, podcast platform you're listening to this on, whether it's Spotify or um, Apple uh, Podcasts or Google, could you please go and leave us a five-star review and just subscribe to the channel? Because this is a great thing for the algorithm. They love it. And it also means that we get put in front of far more people, the more positive reviews that we've got. So if you do enjoy this podcast and you do listen to this regularly, then please, 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 could you go and leave us a nice five-star review and subscribe to it as well? Because that really does help us out. So I'm going to start with that one. So thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> for the last two weeks, um, we've actually had and seen um, far more um, downloads and people listening to the podcast where we've done the tips for Kilimanjaro and the tips last week for Everest Basecamp. And I've been asked this week, to do one for Mount Tubcal because funnily enough in the last sort of six days we just seem to have been selling loads and loads and loads of Mount Tubcal trips which is a great thing and um but I've been asked to record uh, things you should know about booking Mount Tubcal so this episode is going to be based all on that now some of you might be thinking to start with where the hell is Mount Tubcal in Mount Tupcau is the highest mountain in North Africa. It's based in Morocco, and it's about two hours' drive from, or the start of it is about a two-hour drive from Marrakesh, so super easy to get to. Um, what it also means is that you get to have a tour and see Marrakesh first. And, you know, one thing that I always say to people that um, other people have now stolen from me is that I think Morocco gives and marrakesh definitely gives the best cultural difference for the shortest amount of air miles and as i've always said to people it is far quicker to get to marrakesh from the uk than it is to get to places like lanzarote or tanzania and places like that so i think it's um definitely a must destination and at the bucket list company we run seven different trips to morocco so um Two of those are to Mount Tupcau. So we've got our normal Mount Tupcau trek, and then we've also got our winter Mount Tupcau trek as well. So, um, But there are plenty and plenty of things to do in, in Morocco, and I don't think it's a destination that you kind of need to go to once either. So, you know, there's definitely – we've got a group out there at the minute. Jake's just started a, a Sahara Desert trek. Um, yes, or he flew out yesterday. So he is starting the trek and getting down the drive to, to get there today. So um, – it's Morocco is a very popular destination for us in Tupcal, I'd say is probably one of our most popular trips along with Kilimanjaro and Machu Picchu and probably um, Everest base camp as well. So anyway, why should you think about doing Mount Tupcal? Well, Mount Tupcal is not that high. Um, it sits at 4,176 meters at the summit. Now, a lot of people have on their bucket lists to go and do a 4,000 meter mountain. So this kind of, fits into that sort of bracket 
perfectly well. Um, and, you know, you can do it over two days. Not that I advise doing it over two days and we don't run trips over two days. And there's various reasons for this. But the main one from my perspective is just um, the altitude gain. Now, the altitude gain on Kilimanjaro, for example, is is on some of the days is higher than it should be by gaining like a thousand meters of altitude in a day. Like the average, they say, is you should only gain about 500 meters a day. But, you know, there's not a great deal you can do about that on Kilimanjaro on uh, on some of the routes. And that's pretty much the same, I think, with Tupcal is you start off on a two day trip. You would start off in Imlil and you would go straight up to the refuge um, at round about 3,200 meters, the refuge sits. So you've done that on the first day. And then you're going to get up at five o'clock in the morning then and head up for the summit on the on the second day and then come back all the way back down to Imlil again. So it's quite a challenge to get that in. Um, and when we first started oper- offering Tupcal treks, we decided that we would do it over four days and actually have two days getting to Imlil first and using some of the passes in the high atlas to actually gain a bit of altitude before you drop down to Imlil. So that's kind of the decision that we made. There are plenty of companies out there that are offering the two-day, um, but I also know that the success rate is not so good on a two-day as it is on the longer treks. So obviously, a lot of people like to do it as a weekend, which you could fly out on a Friday, come back on a Monday. It fits in perfectly nicely there. But just be aware of that altitude gain and how quick it is. Um, so... Yeah, I would advise not doing it in two days, but of course, it's entirely up to you. Like I said, our our standard trip is a four-day trek, and then our winter um, trek is a five-day trek. So just bear that in mind. Have a look around, see what your options are. Um, but I would certainly advise taking more than two days to go and do it. Um, Distance-wise, if you're on the, on the two-day um, trek, it's about 11 kilometers to get from Imlil up to the refuge um, and then another couple of kilometers then up to the summit. So all in all on that, it's not a, it's not a very long hiking trip for ours kind of for the first two days, you're covering just a little bit more than the 11 K on our trek. So uh, overall, you know, depending on what you're doing, the trips are roundabout, um, 28, 30K um, for the standard two-day trek. Ours would be up towards 55K for the four-day trek itself. Um, but like I say, I would certainly look at, advise doing it over a slightly longer period of time. How hard is Mount Tupcal? Um, Well, again, as we were discussing with Kilimanjaro the other day, uh, Tupcal is a trekking peak um, in normal conditions. Um, you do need to be fit for it. Obviously, the altitude is still going to be a bit of a problem when you get up to 4,167 metres. Um, but it is it is a, a trek. And on the, the bit from the refuse to the summit, um, there's a little bit of scrambling to do. Um, it is quite strenuous. You do need to be quite fit to do it. Um, and some people do struggle on it. But like I say, with any mountain, um, it's 40% physical, 60% mental. And although Tupcal 
you know, you'll probably get up around four o'clock in the morning, start trekking around five o'clock in the morning. Um, it's not quite as bad as like Kilimanjaro, for example, where, you know, you're getting up and starting walking at midnight. At least potentially you can get some, <clears throat> you can get some sleep, but we'll come on to the refuge in a minute and come on to sleep in a bit. Um, when should you think about climbing Mount Tupcow? Well, it kind of really depends what you're after. If you're after a winter trek, then you want to be going in kind of January and February. At that point, there will be some snow around. Um, you will you will need crampons, you will need a helmet, and you will need um, a walking axe with you as well. Um, but obviously, if you're doing it out of those seasons, then the chances are you won't need crampons. Now, we've we've done Toop Cow so many times. Um, we've kind of done it. It's sort of like the end of October before and snow's fallen early and we have needed crampons just for the last bit. And they can be hired in Imlil when we know that we need them. So you don't need to take them with you. You can sort that out when you get there. But if you are going to do a winter trek and you're planning on doing a winter trek, then the kit list is um, crampons and a helmet and an ice axe. So um, just bear that in mind for the winter trek. Otherwise, I would say good times to do it are kind of from May and June, early June, before it starts to get too hot. And then again, sort of from the end of September through till the end of October for sort of the standard trek. Uh, we personally avoid the summer months just because of the heat, A, in Marrakesh, but also even on the lower slopes of Tupcal for the walk that we do, um, it does get too hot. So we kind of stick it to the, the shoulder seasons of the summer and that sort of works really well for us. So, again, depending on what you want to do, it's going to depend on when, you, when you're going to trek it. But if you want to do the winter trek and you want to be there, then we run one of those um, normally in sort of January, early February. Um, and then we have several dates then for our standard Toop Cow, uh, normally starting in April, May, June. And then, like I said, um, end of September, October as well. Um in terms of where to stay, you have loads of options in Imlil. Um, there are guest houses, um, and we stay in a really nice guest house um, where we are. Um, for our other for our other night when we're doing the trek, um, we stay in a local Berber house, which is just amazing. You kind of spend all day trekking to get there. Once you arrive. Um, you know, it is quite basic. It has got um, mattresses on the floor in the rooms. There's a lovely dining room. But the best bit about it, well, there's two best bits about it. And one of those is they've got a lovely terrace that looks out over the mountains. Um, and you can just lay out on the terrace and look up at the stars because there's no light pollution there. I've had some of my best star photos taken from that terrace. Um, but the other good thing about it as well is is they do have a, um, a hammam um at the at the at the berber lodge um and basically we we call up in the morning before we get before we arrive to say we want to use the hammam and then they'll light the fire underneath it so when you get in um in the evening you can have a lovely warm hammam um and sort of refresh those those aching muscles and just really sort of wash and clean and have a nice hot shower and a nice hot wash um, and it's certainly one of the highlights for a lot of our groups both laying out and watching the stars, but also having that super warm hammam as well. Now, when you get up to the refuge, um, that's where things 
change ever so slightly. Um, and it, there's two refuges at the base camp of Tupcow, um, and they're both pretty similar. Um, they will have cold showers, um, but the difference being is, is all of a sudden you're in large rooms with lots of people with giant alpine style bunk beds, which are just kind of huge mattresses across the floor and everyone kind of lays together on the on the beds. So you need to have your sleeping bag with you for that. Um, but the problem is, is it gets so warm in the rooms. People kind of think, oh, it's going to be cold up there. But actually, once you've got 16 people all in the same room trying to sleep, um, it certainly does get warm in there. So don't take too warm a sleeping bag because um, you will get too hot. Um, I'd also advise, obviously, taking earplugs. And I'd also advise taking an eye mask with you as well, just to kind of, you know, people open the door to go to the toilet, let the light in. You know, there's there's always guaranteed to be a couple of snorers in the room as well. So you need to make sure that you've um, that you've got your earplugs with you, you've got your eye mask, um, and then you might be able to get um, a little bit of sleep as well there. But um, you know, people tend to not get too much sleep um, when they're at the refuge. Um, in terms of food on the trek, the food you'll you know if you're with us or you're with another group you will have a cook with you um, and the food they prepare on a toop cow trek is, you know, you kind of wonder where it comes from. Sometimes it is just absolutely amazing. Fresh salads, uh, tagines, you know, you do get fed very, very well on a toop cow trek. So there's, there's no need to worry about that. One of the questions we get asked quite a lot is how many, uh, do you need a guide to climb Mount toop cow? And a few years ago, the answer was to that, no, you didn't need a guide. You could just go up and do it yourselves. But um, since 2019, it is now compulsory that you have to have a um, a local guide with you. Um, and that's on a ratio of one to six as well. So just um, bear that in mind, you know, because there are lots of there's lots of things on the Internet. There's lots of things in books where it says you can just rock up to Tupcow and, and go and climb it. But like I said, since 2019, that is no longer possible. Um, and you have to have a guide with you to go in to go and do it. So bear that in mind. Um, what else is there? What other tips can I give you for climbing Mount Tupcal? Um, There are many different options, many different routes um, to go and do it. So do your research, have a look and decide which you think is going to be the best one for you um altitude sickness obviously altitude sickness can affect people above 3000 meters so for some people they might be getting some effects of being at altitude once they start getting towards the refuge um but generally most people are fine on a toop cow trek um just you know we'll be keeping an eye on you or we keep an eye on our groups when they're on toop cow with us um and we try and take it slowly on as we're going up to the summit to give us chance of acclimatizing as we're going up. So um, just think about just think about that. That might be an option. Some people might um, be taking Diamox as well for it. Again, it's not something we can advise you take. It's something you need to go and speak to your doctor about um, and see if they think that taking Diamox is, is suitable for you. Or it might be that you go to a travel clinic. Um, and get them to advise on whether or not they think you should um, you should be taking Dymox. Um, you get a very so 
from an equipment perspective uh, on Toop Cow, your bags are carried by mules. So all you will need to carry yourself is going to be your day pack with your water, any spare clothes for that day. That's all you're, that's all you, you're going to need to carry for the Toop Cow trek itself. Um, or your duffel bag will get carried up with the mules. Um, what we do is, um, so if I, if I just say what our eight-day trek is, for example, so we will arrive in Marrakesh. Um, we'll have a free day in Marrakesh the next day. Then we'll head out onto the, the trek. When we check out of the hotel, we used to um, leave our bags at the hotel. But what we tend to do now is the bags get taken to Imlil um, of stuff that you don't need. So it's actually there for you at the end of the trek. Um, then we go and do um, our four-day trek. So first night, we stay in the Berber Lodge that I was discussing earlier with the terrace in the Hammam. Second night, we then trek to Imlil. Um, and we drop down to Imlil, so we're sleeping lower than we've been that day, and we stay in a guest house in Imlil, and that's where your bags will be stored um, for the duration of, of the trek. Um, then we walk up to the refuge, wake up in the morning, and then we go and climb Mount Tupkow, come back down to the refuge, and then we walk then back to Imlil. Then what we used to do then was we used to then take our transfer then straight back to Marrakesh that evening. But what we found was it was putting too much strain and too much pressure on our groups um, to get back down from, from the refuge to Imlil and then to drive back to Marrakesh. So we've changed our itinerary now to actually have another night in the guest house at Imlil. And then we get up in the morning early and then drive back to Marrakesh. Um, for an almost full day in Marrakesh, then another night in Marrakesh, and then we'll leave the following day to fly back. So that is our eight-day itinerary that we do at that point. Um, <coughs> excuse me. There are some things, um, you know, we always include um, a city tour of Marrakesh um, in our programme, and that's either, that's usually done on the first day when we get there, we also have an option um, that if people want to, to go and do a hot air balloon ride, um, a sunrise hot air balloon ride. And obviously it, it's always quite funny because everyone always moans how early they've got to get up for the balloon ride. But as we say to people, you know, you have booked a sunrise hot air balloon ride. So unfortunately, the sun comes up quite early and you need to be there beforehand to see the sunrise. So it is an early start, but one well worth doing. Um I always say, you know, loads of people have got um, hot air balloon riding on their bucket lists. And I think it's it's one of those things that loads of people do it in the UK. You know, people buy it for people for their birthdays and they buy them a gift experience. And it always takes them like two years to actually be able to get it done because they'll book it and then the weather will be bad and then they'll, you know, they'll turn up and it's too windy for the balloons to take off and all of those things. But the one thing that's pretty much guaranteed, I mean, I've never had a, I think I've had one in all the times I've been going to, to Morocco that I've only ever had one that's not actually taken off because of the weather. So you've got a lot better chance of getting up in the balloon the other thing that's really amazing about the balloon flights in morocco and i never realized this and i've done quite a few balloon rides now is where where it becomes amazing 
is actually when you get in the sky and you see lots of other balloons at the same time. Um, and it kind of gives you a real perspective. And that's one of the things on our Tupcal trek or on any of our Morocco trips, actually, because you can add the balloon ride onto any of our Morocco trips. But the one thing that I love the most is actually you're never up just in a single balloon. There's always lots of other balloons around you when you do it. Um, and I think that really, really does add to the experience itself. Um, and that's kind of about it for Mount Tupcal, really. I mean, it's just a lovely little trip and one that we we sell loads of them, I think, because people are worried about altitude and people kind of have bigger things on their bucket lists. Like they have the Kilimanjaro's, the Everest base camps. But, you know, obviously it's not something if you live in the UK that you can really prepare for in terms of the altitude. Obviously, you know, you can go to the altitude center like we've done several podcasts on recently. But in terms of never being, you know, never actually physically being at that altitude. Um, and that's why a lot of people tend to book Mount Tupcow is kind of a, a training run to see how they will get on before before their next trek. So I think um, it certainly is one to add to your bucket list. It is a great little week long trip that you don't need to take too much time off work for. Um, and yeah, I think it's one that I really love running and I keep going back and back and back and doing it. And the scenery and, and up through the high Atlas mountains is just absolutely stunning. So if you have got um, a 4,000 meter peak on your bucket list, then maybe you should be thinking about adding Mount Tupcow to that list and getting it ticked off. Um, obviously, what I'll do in the show notes is I'll put links to both our um, standard Mount Tupcow trek as well as our winter Mount Tupcow trek. So you can kind of click through and have a look at the two different itineraries. Um, and if you do have any questions on Mount Tupcow, then please don't hesitate to give the office a call or send me an email or send the team an email. And one of us will, you know, one of us will happily reply to you. Um, the links I'll put into the into the show notes. You can download the quick guide for both trips as well. So you can get hold of a more in-depth um sort of brochure on each of the trips by just downloading those guides as well if you if you pop onto the website so anyway i'm recording this episode actually from turkey because i'm out on our cappadocia trip um and tomorrow i need to get up nice and early to get my flight and head to cappadocia where i will be having another hot air balloon flight um so anyway thanks ever so much for listening hope you found this toop cow um episode of the podcast interesting and i'll be back next week with another another episode thanks ever so much everyone speak to you soon bye-bye thanks for listening to this episode of the bucket lister podcast be sure to click follow to be alerted for next week's episode for more travel inspiration check us out at www.thebucketlistcompany.co.uk or follow us on socials see you next time